Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to All Starts, Aren't We? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined by over on Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Adam Elliott, the Leeds salute in the middle of a game of the podcast. I'm just Leeds, 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 through and through. And I'm joined today by the precocious generational ta- talent of the podcast, Tom Hostikundal. It won't be long till he's snapped up by Man City and shows Phil Foden what a real generational talent looks like. And finally, I'm joined today by the Deadline Day signing of the podcast. He may not be Welsh, but he is incredible hard, as always. It's Martin Riley. How are you, Martin? I'm doing fantastic, Adam. Uh, I've had a lovely tea, some lovely salt and pepper steaks, um, pork steaks with some mashed potato and veg. And yeah, I'm really well set up. I've had a good weekend. had family over on, fr- on Friday night before the game. So we played some cards against Humanity, which is a fantastic game. I absolutely lo- love it. And yeah, then I enjoyed the game after after that. So yeah, I've, I'm good. How how are you? I hope the kids didn't play cards against humanity. No, they didn't. Um, but one of the elder kids was in the room while we were playing. Um, he's like um 13, so he had a few questions over over some of the, over, over some of the the answers. <laughs> but he was laughing under his breath a lot as well. Yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, I had um chicken kebab for tea with some chips but i've had a pretty lazy day i had hash browns for lunch as well well not just hash browns but a few other bits and they were very nice you know the cheese filled ones i had some of those very fancy um hosty how what did you have uh, you i doing? had uh i'm good yeah i'm i was a little roby this morning i had a 30th birthday last night in halifax uh so i went went over that had a flying visit back home for that um and then yeah Today for for lunch I had uh, I made myself like some chicken fillet sandwiches uh, they they were good but then uh, for tea I've had spag ball because I had about six hundred grams that went out of date tomorrow that I needed to cook so I just batch cooked it for the week so I thought I might as well meal prep for a spag ball for the week. Are you sure you didn't have it because you knew you were going to be on the podcast and so that that made sense? No, so you because could pick one b- off. before before I'd made that decision. Before I made the decision to be on the pod, that was already a decision made regarding food. So <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, I do like playing on a Friday. Um, I also had a 30th birthday, so I was kind of drinking during the Leeds game, getting a little bit tipsy, and then I, I went out afterwards um, to this 30th as well. By the way, listeners, I'm not 30. It was just a friend that turned 30. Hostie is wow, 30, aren't you, mate? Wow, wow, <laughs> And wow, we won't yeah, reveal how day. old Martin is. Um, I don't think he'll want everyone to know. I don't care. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm 40 in a year and a half. It's, it's fine. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> um, I'm not even in my late 20s yet, so I'm clinging on to some 
younger, youthful years, thankfully. Um, although I don't think my face shows it. But anyway, um, we'll move on into a little bit of discussion about the news, I think. Um, obviously, we're here today mostly to talk about Bristol City, but we'll get on to that in a minute. Um, the main piece of news, I guess, is some of the incomings and outgoings around deadline day and whatnot. Um, we'll talk, talk about outgoings first because I think there's a little bit of intrigue there. Um, Ian Pervader, who wants to go first on that? He's gone to Sheffield Wednesday on loan uh, and it kind of ends his career at Leeds because he's out of contract this summer. Uh, it's, it's Jan Pervader for a start off. And if, if we're going to be picky over saying Bristol and Bristol City, as you briefed as pre pod, uh, we'll be picky over Jan Pervader's actual. Uh, pronunciation. Yeah, like, it was exciting. I think we were all quite excited when we signed, <laughs> I think we were all quite excited when we signed him. Um, and we think, I think we've all, we can all agree he's got quite good close ball control, but he's never really had that end product that we've seen consistently from him. So the move's probably going to be good for him. I think he did okay at Blackburn. Uh, he was, I think at Blackpool he was unfortunate to be with Mick McCarthy. Um, obviously that, I don't think he's the sort of player for Mick McCarthy, really. And then, yeah, there was talk of him going to Birmingham and reuniting with Tony Mowbray, uh, who had him at Blackburn. And, yeah, I guess, obviously, he's chosen to go to Sheffield Wednesday, which may- maybe it's just that he's got some roots up north and it keeps him a little bit closer, because, obviously, Birmingham's a bit further away when you think about the teams that he has played for on loan. It's, they've all been Lancashire and then Leeds, obviously, uh, before he was at Man City. So I wonder if that's kind of played a part in it. Um, yeah, I-, I think it'll do him good. Sad that he didn't manage to make it here. He, he seems like a fun guy and stuff. I uh, my lasting memory of him is uh, promotion night, finally getting down to Ellen Road just as everyone was dispersing, and uh, Ian Pervader hanging out at the back of a Land Rover, uh, just shouting Leeds, 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 marching on together. Uh, and I've just said Ian Pervader there as well. Uh, so, that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that that's that, that's my lasting memory of uh, Jan Pervader. Yeah, I think he had some talent, 100% still does. Um, I think he just flatters to deceive when it comes to the final action quite a lot of the time. I had a look at his goals and assists record this week, and he just doesn't have much. And I know most of that is probably because he's come off the bench quite a bit, and it's not always easy to impact games like that. So hopefully he starts a little bit more for Sheffield Wednesday, but he is obviously a good dribbler and can beat players. So, you know, that differential might be quite good for them. Uh, Martin, any thoughts on Jan Perveda or the other outgoing, which was Sean McGurk? Uh, so yeah, on, on Jan Perveda, I always remember him for the game against Man City, where he just absolutely made um, was it Benjamin Mendy, that lovely chap, made his life a nightmare. Uh, so yeah, it's mad that he had that sort of impact in a game in the Premier League, um, but now we're barely using him in, in the Championship. But I think that's a sign of how little he's been used. And I do think there is a player there. I, I don't think it's a player who would be able to do too much for us at, at the moment. That's probably why we're okay to let him go and learn, and then I would assume for his contract to end in summer. Uh, so yeah, it's I hope he does well and that he does have a good championship level career, most likely. And on to Tom McGurk, I think it was about time that he went out and learned and made an impact outside of the under twenty ones because he's well too good for the under twenty ones, and Swindon is a good move for him. I think that he, he should be able to kick on there and hopefully do better. He's again another one who I'm not sure if he has quite the talent which we need for either upper end championship or even Premier League when we get there. So it's probably just another way to develop him before we end, end up selling him on for well, a couple of million. He's maybe. gone there permanent anyway. He's gone there permanently. Oh, he's permanent? Anyway, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise that. I thought he was alone. Never mind. Um, but yeah, that's fine. He's gone, so hopefully he can have a good impact at Swindon and kickstart his own career. 
Um, but yeah, not too much else to add. No, yeah, I think it's one of them where you, you go to leagues, a bit like Lewis Bate, perhaps, where he goes there, maybe does really well, and it's not going to be too long before he might move up a level to League One. And I know some people are thinking he could have probably gone to League One. Maybe he could. Um, it's possible. I definitely think that of Bate, for example. So hopefully McGurk does do well there and, and does kick on, and hopefully we find him in, in a league higher soon. Hostia, anything to add, or do you want to talk about the incoming? Um, I was just going to add with McGurk that probably the move, at least he's going to a promotion chasing side. And um, yeah, he's always looked, he's looked this season, or last season at least, uh, Above the under twenty ones, he's been like quite a good player for us in the under twenty ones, um, and obviously he's just not man- he's not been anywhere near the first team still. Um, and on Lewis Bates, as you said he apparently put in like fantastic performance against Barrow. Um, yeah, I heard yes- as well yesterday. Yes, uh, Saturday. So yeah, he's obviously doing well at Milton Keynes. Um, Colin Roberts, yeah, a-, a good a good signing. I think uh, we we said we needed some uh, right backs or left backs. Uh, one of the two at least we needed um, and Leeds United don't sign left backs so obviously we signed Connor Roberts <laughs> and um, yeah I think he's a good solid he's obviously been promoted from the championship he's got Premier League experience because I think he was in the Premier League with Burnley before they got relegated yeah. as well wasn't he yeah he so, was yeah, yeah just he, I think he, he came in the same stats the year they went down I think yeah um, and yeah I guess yeah uh, you know he's he's got that promotion experience, which uh, we've lost with losing Ailing, that kind of leadership possibly and experience from getting a team over the line. And yeah, he'll be. I, I imagine at some point he will probably move. He'll he'll get in front of Gray, um, and then we might start being able to finally see Gray in centre midfield a bit more, which we did see for five minutes um, <laughs> on Friday night as well. Yeah, I'm happy with the Conor Roberts signing. Um, I've been watching him. Um, over the past couple of days um, in prep for an article which we're putting out for the patrons. Uh, so, yeah, I won't say too much about him, about what his, what his play style is like. I'll save that for the article. Um, however, if you do want to know more, um, our friend Tom Wilson has recently done an article on him. So I'll get it over, on over the folks on Leeds on Twitter and you'll find his article there. It's also very good. And I'm not sure what else I'll really be able to say on top of that. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a, he's, a, he's a good player for this level. He had some very much needed experience and in position where we need more bodies. And not just right back, he can also cover left back if needed as well. Uh, he has played at left back a few times. So yeah, it's a good sign. I'm happy with it. Yeah, given the uh, <laughs> the injury record of both our left backs, uh, I think there's probably a decent chance Roberts plays at least once <laughs> this season at left back at some stage, um, even if it's for like a half or half an hour at the end of a game if one of them gets injured. Uh, but I, I, I don't want to talk too much either about him because I think your article is going to cover most of this. But I think the main thing that some of us in our group chat have discussed is his ability to be a little bit more inverted or on the outside if he needs to be. And I think we've seen flashes of him being able to do that um, at Burnley, at Swansea. So there's a very good chance that he could fill in, in quite a few fullback roles, which is useful because Byram is probably the one that can do that the most out of all our fullback options. And having another player like that is is pretty useful. And like you say, both of you, good experience, pretty steady, solid player with a good injury record as well. So there's every chance that he stays very fit. He's a good age. Um, so yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with this. Uh, I guess one last quick question then from both of you is... What else would you have liked to see us sign in January? Now it's closed. This is what we're going to have to deal with for the rest of the, the season, the squad as it is. Is there any areas in particular that you might have liked to have seen uh, maybe an addition come in? I'll start with you, Hosty. Uh, yeah, left back, I think, you know, we've said, we've ju- you've just said, Furpo and Byram can be a bit injury prone. Uh, that leaves us then with Shackleton probably as third choice, who is also injury prone. Um, and then, then we're a bit 
were a bit low on that. Uh, there was some talk late on on deadline day of um, was it Paul Dummett from Newcastle, uh, who you know I, I don't know much about him as a defender. I remember if, like ten years ago, me quite enjoying him. I think he'd scored a couple of screamers, so I, I quite enjoyed him for a bit. But he's he's just still at Newcastle and still there. Um, yeah, so I don't I don't know too much, but yeah, left back would have been nice. There were obviously some talk of Ryan Giles, and he went to Hull. Um, I think we kind of agreed that as an attacking left back, what we're seeing Firpo do now, Giles would have probably have fit that role quite well. But I think the reason that he's gone to Hull is because Hull are paying are going to pay for him permanently at the end of the season. And I think that if he's not making it for Luton in the Premier League, then he's probably not going to be good enough for us if we do go up. And that's probably what put us off signing him as, as part of the package. So. Um, yeah, I think a left back would have been nice, but I guess now it means that the left back that we're signing will know exactly what standard and it'll be more on our terms come summer when we come around to signing one. Yeah, depending on which league we're in and all that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I'd, I'd add to that and say maybe another, uh, creative player for the bench. I know we've actually got quite, when, when they're all fit, all of our sort of wide attackers and central attackers, We've actually got loads of them, and that's why Pervade has probably been allowed to leave. But I wouldn't have minded something different in that sort of area, even if it was sort of a versatile player that could play centrally and out wide, which we have a couple of, but another one that could do that. But then also just like play Gelhart a bit more and see if he can, you know, develop a little bit. He's he's not been seen since that Coventry game where we we drew one all back in December. So you know, someone like that might need to get a few more minutes here and there if we do have a bit of a crisis in the attacking areas. Martin, is there anything else you wanted to see come in, or are we about covered it there? I think you've about covered it. The main one that I would have wanted as well would, would have been a left-back, um, but I also wouldn't have said no to um, a bench option that was different to the ones that we currently have in attacking areas. So I think we were late, linked with Benson a, a, a bit. Did he end up going anywhere else? No, he actually didn't. No, no, he actually ended up ah, okay. staying, even though he's linked with about half of the championship. Zareri got loaned from Burnley to Hull instead. Uh, he's pretty good, to be fair. Yeah, Hull have had a, a decent uh, transfer window. That's not yeah, what we're talking about, best. but... Best one yeah. in the championship, yeah. We signed yeah. one player, but I, I'm mostly happy, you guys. Mostly. It's okay. Yeah. We're f- I don't have any massive complaints. I don't, I don't think um, we're worse off. So No, because I think the main thing with Roberts, right, is that out of all the players we've let go, he's going to contribute more minutes than any of them, probably. Com- yeah. Probably combined, to be honest, by the end of the season, probably. Um, so it's not the end of the world. Also, just to point out, we only have 16 league games left. So it's actually not that many games for the squad to just kind of stay as it is. I know we're a bit thin in some places, but as long as we don't get too many injuries, it should be okay, right? Yeah, and one more kind of thing that we can't really judge, but may have been taken into account, I've seen it discussed, is, you know, we've we've made the joke, you know, Conor Roberts is Welsh, but he has played with Dan, he has played with Dan James at Swansea and at Wales. He's played with Van Perdue. It must be a little bit easier for him to integrate into the squad and understand play styles of what each player can do when he's played with them quite a bit as well at international level and at club level of sorts with some. So, and obviously he's played with Rodon as well. And that, that literally, that's a triangle, right? That That's a triangle and a square of Ampadu, Rodon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Roberts. Once Ampadu moves back into midfield, this is, and Dan James in front, you know, that's one whole Welsh right side. And I think that just know them knowing each other and having played with each other probably it's just gonna take out some of that time some of that sinking in time that another signing may have needed yeah i guess that's the downside for hull having to bed in so many players and hoping that they they click instantly whereas we just have one and like you say he has a lot of familiarity should just be really seamless for him but we'll see i guess anyway we'll jump into bristol city now we've done a bit of talk about the news so we'll get straight on into that i'll start with the game summary um 
Leeds started the game with their usual 4-2-3-1 structure, with Bristol City opting for a 3-4-3 structure. Uh, Leeds had the greatest share of possession in the first half. However, Bristol City did have spells of possession to try, try to create chances. Um, Leeds had the better of the chances throughout the first half, with Bristol City not able to create any chances of note with their only spells of possession. However, the game went into the second half scoreless, uh, with Leeds wondering how they didn't go ahead given the dominance in both possession and chances. The second half continued in much the same fashion, with Leeds dominating both chances and possession. However, we didn't have to wait long for a breakthrough goal, with Willie Lonto latching onto a junior Furpo pass, I believe it flicked off Bamford though, and firing past Max O'Leary to make the score 1-0 in the 47th minute. Uh, Bristol City weren't able to create any good chances after that really uh, and Leeds weren't able to convert the many chances that we continue to have into more goals and the game ended 1-0 in the end making that our best start to calendar year in our history and just on that we've also got three games coming up that look pretty nice as well um, so hopefully we could extend that but we will see but yes I'll, I'll get straight on into the interrogation now um, so we debated in the preview about how Bristol City would set up our possession Um Martin, how did they actually set up, and was it a, sex, a successful approach? Well, I'll just touch on briefly with the, to, to what we were thinking on in the preview. Um, basically, we were thinking two, one of two things was going to happen. Either they were going to sit quite deep and absorb pressure, or they were going to um, press quite high. Um, and kind of neither of those two things happened. It was kind of an in-between in, in of both of those things. Uh, there were moments where they did press quite high, and they had quite a lot of bodies in our half. Um, so in moments they were pressing relatively high, but it was only in moments. Um, there was more having a high line and looking to try to squeeze a pitch and to, I think maybe they were trying to force us to go along, which I think maybe kind of played in, into our hands a bit because we were quite good going direct, especially in the second half. Um, so yeah, they were trying to, they had their front three uh, who were the main front pressers and then the, the far behind, that was a seven that I talked about who were often in our half. Uh, they were t- trying to get tight to players who were dropping deep to help him build up, but players weren't quite able to manage it and were often a little bit behind our players. I think there's a bit of a physicality mix- mismatch in the way our deep deep players are and midfielders compared to theirs. So I think that really helped in our favour. Uh, I don't think their approach was massively successful. We were able to play through their pressure quite easily and quite often. So I no, I don't think it was successful, um, but it was a relatively good approach, but it wasn't enacted very well, I think. Um, Hosted in squad? Yeah, I think um, I what Martin was saying there, it was kind of like a kind of like a high block where they chose, so they kind of like just stayed high, um, but didn't really press, apart from when they felt like they tried to look for the right times, which I think is what um, Dave from Fev's Analytics uh, said might be the case, that they, um, they press well, but they pick and choose, so they don't press a lot. They pick and choose when to really go in with that press. And yeah, I think he kind of said that undermanning, they've done that quite well. And I just don't think that works uh, against us on, on Friday. And like Martin said, it played into our hands and playing quite a high line as well in this uh, kind of... It was it was a different approach. It's one which I don't think people have tried, teams have tried against us yet this season, um, which is probably why I thought maybe it'd be effective. But yeah, like, like Martin said, I think it played into our hands. Uh, Martin, Tom, Tom's just touched on it there about Bristol City not maybe pressing as intensely and kind of blocking. Um, but was it down to our build-up being good or was it just not them not really pressing in the right areas and at the right time for you? Uh, well, I do want to say that our build-up was also very good. Um, our players were doing the best to avoid pressure when it came to it and they were winning their individual battles against uh, people who were pressing them more often than not. 
especially Ilya Groove. He was fantastic in this game. Uh, just really doing a very good job. And Dave Feverson from our preview pod mentioned in our DMs that he had, it seemed like he had such slippers on his feet, <laughs> uh, which is true. He was very present in this game and just really made it difficult for them. Um, and I do think maybe the areas that they were pressing weren't the best areas. That they were, I think their front line was a bit too far apart. And I think the best way to approach limiting us is try to for, for, force us down the sides and to clog up the, the inside. And I think maybe those didn't get the spacing right for the pressing. And also, because of the way the midfield four were pushing up into our half as well, um, you'd see Rutter dropping into little pockets in between the midfield and their defence. And he was able to receive it and turn, and there was quite a big gap in between hit where he was receiving and turned to, to drive forward, which was something he did throughout the first half and in the second half. So it really didn't work. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said before, there is a bit of a mismatch when it comes to the physical profiles of our players and their players, I think. Costi? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think like the way that we built up um, in in our third was, was really good. Uh, and yeah, like, like Martin said, Bristol probably a bit too wide and gave us just a bit too much space. And then when it was individual duels, like like I said, Groove came out and Kamara came out on top in in those areas, and Rutter did it a lot as well when he dropped in deep. And yeah, it was just for us. It was when we got on the other other side of the pitch, which we'll get onto later on, when things just started to not be as good. Let's say. Well, talking about our approach a little bit more, then uh, we'll talk about out of possession first. First, I think um, we won the ball a lot in their half throughout the game, actually, uh, with 12 tackles, one in their half, um, which led to a number of chances, obviously. Um, what was the cause of this? Was this Bristol being rubbish, or was it us being quite good and effective at it? Which we have been this season. Our possession approach has been pretty good. I'll start with you first, Hosty. Yeah, um, this one was interesting. I think it was mainly Bristol being rubbish, because I don't think our press was as organised as it can be, You know, like we've seen against the good teams, uh, like Leicester and uh, Ipswich at home. I think a lot of our regains came from individuals just doing a really good job on one player and then uh, Bristol kind of, uh, what what's the term without swearing? Uh, messed up. Yeah, messed up. Yeah, let's say messed up. <laughs> so, yeah, and I think like the key example of that one is, you know, Somerville's chance in the, in the first half when he goes to lob uh, Max O'Leary. That one comes from him putting on pressure and their defender uh, losing his feet and not not dealing well with with the ball that he had and it was literally just Somerville was the only player in their half. So um, yeah, I think that a lot of the cases were were similar to that. I don't know if Martin thinks different. Well, yeah, there's a lot of that which was happening, especially when it came to Somerville. I just don't think they were quite prepared for how fast Somerville is. That was just one of the big things. Um, they just took that little second too long with certain movement, which is a second too long when you've got a player, player like Somerville coming at you because his out-of-possession play has really, really improved this season and it's got a lot better than what it was. And it just he, he seems to really time his movements really well when it comes to pressing and they just weren't really anticipating how good that was going to be, I think. Um, but there also was a lot of good positioning of our attacking players. Like it, our press wasn't the most intense that we've done, which is quite often the case away from home. We do look to allow it up on the ball a bit more when we're away from home. Uh, quite similar to the previous game. I forget who it was because my memory is terrible. 
Um, but yeah, in the previous game, in the first half, we were pressing a bit. That's it. Um, and in that game, we changed our pressing approach in the second half and we were less intense and we were looking to try to win the ball around the halfway line. And I think that was a similar case in this in this game. I'll, quite a few of the um, tackles which won were, either, were just inside their half or around the third of their half, if that makes sense. And it really worked quite well. There was one particular one um, which was in the second half, uh, I think about the... 60 odd minutes, and we just roll forward and we still the ball and we're passing it around to the back. And just, I just noticed how the position of our players that there was all the passing options were covered. There's a player on each of the players that the player could have passed to. And then Cumville was on one man, and the ball came to another another one. And his deceleration from moving from one player to the other was really good. Like he was moving towards one player and then just quickly reverse back. And got on him really quick, and he wasn't, he wasn't expecting how quick that was going to be. Um, but at the same time, in that pressing structure, uh, Bristol didn't have the right setup at all. Uh, their midfield wasn't positioned well to help out. Their could just as soon as they had the ball, just bombed forward. It's really just as soon as they got the ball, they bombed forward. I think he was expecting their goalkeeper to hit it long, and then he didn't, so then he wasn't able to help out in that build approach at all. So, yeah, it was it was a, a fun. Pressing approach from us, I think. I enjoyed it, actually. But they were pretty poo, right? Yeah, there were moments definitely where they were a bit poo. Because I got that in my notes, so, yeah. And to be <laughs> honest, I wanted to touch on that because I was a bit disappointed in them. I, I bigged them up a little bit more before the game. I think you guys did on the preview as well. Um, I think quite a few Bristol City fans have said this. I was speaking to one of my bosses, actually. He's a Bristol City fan. He said they've generally been better against the good sides. And that's also been pretty evident in the FA Cup games recently against Premier League opposition. But they were just not very good here. And they were very good in or out of possession, really. That, that's that's also exactly what Baldrick said pre-game on the Sky Sports coverage. Uh, Baldrick from Blackadder, who they interviewed before the game. Because he's, oh, yes. he's a football pundit, obviously. Uh, but yeah, he also said, you know, that Bristol City have performed better against better teams and um, West Ham being obviously the, the key example of that recently. I think you meant man from time team, but yes. I, I yeah, know t- yeah, 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 yeah. Him, <laughs> it's him as well. He's the same guy. I know it is. <laughs> um, yeah, um, as for us, I guess, in possession, uh, we created just over one XG in this game. Uh, is that a good reflection of our dominance? Do you think, Hosty, I'll start with you. Uh, no. Definitely not. I, I think I think um, I think we we had a big discussion in uh, I think it was in the Discord where the discussion occurred about the the final pass was just off each time. It just felt um, so we were getting into good areas and not really getting the shot off. It felt like we were a little bit laboured um, taking an extra touch where we probably could have released the ball a bit quicker. Um, and it just meant that we had a lot more possession in and around their box and then we'd have to recycle, go back, try and pull them out again because they'd regrouped. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, when you think about the best chances in that first half, at least, uh, you're looking at Somerville's chip, which didn't really come from the build-up or in-possession play. Um, well, in fact, it definitely didn't. And then the next one is Rutter's chance, which O'Leary saved and it bounced over uh, which he came from obviously it was a rebound so again like that that's still not one which is I mean of course he made the first save but um, yeah that that's not really us building up and creating those dangerous chances um, I think we've been better before and yeah I just don't think we were that good at creating them this time around and that shows with only one XG with how much possession we did have 
at one I remember at one point it kind of said last 15 minutes 71% possession or something like that um and yeah it's, it's not really good enough no i agree um it's pretty hard to disagree with that i think we obviously had a lot of possession a lot of territory and like you say that final action was lacking whether that was a chance that we actually had because like you've just mentioned um there was a bit of good fortune or a bit of good pressing or whatever then we still lacked the final um sort of finish um i'm a bit frustrated with some of us i don't think he needs to chip that i think going for it is is the problem not the execution of it i can i can forgive that i just think he should go round the goalkeeper he's got pace on the blind side of the defender that would have been a really high xg chance again not from you know creation in terms of what we've been doing but um still it would have been a good chance but yeah then like as you say um we we sort of got the ball in good areas and then it just it was labored or it was lacking and it was quite frustrating martin do you have anything to add here i, I guess that is the the truth isn't it? i don't know if you have expected threat numbers to hand i don't think you do i think we have them in the championship but it would have been really interested to see them because we did get in good areas a lot of the time didn't we yeah we definitely did uh we had good dominance around their box quite often and a lot of times it didn't come to a shot in the end of it and there's just quite a few moments where it easily could have been and not not even just in the in first half in the second half as well there was quite a few moments where we could have turned something into more uh, especially when the moment where Somerville broke broke forward I think when they had a corner and um, he chose to play the ball to camera uh, rather than to um, I do think that uh, I have watched this um, this phase, phase back and I don't think he knew that Rutter was there um, because Rutter was a little bit behind the play and then he sort of got in advance of it, and he, but he, Somerville will have seen Camera, isn't And obviously, he did get the ball to him. <laughs> but yeah, so as soon as he saw Camera was there, he knew that he that was a the out ball for him, and he was paying attention to start. And obviously, how fast he's moving out, uh, he will always be able to be aware of the player moving to the side of him. But when you look at back, look at it back. If you played it through a tear, that would have been much better chance created from that. Uh, so yeah, there's, a, there's these little things where the wrong pass was picked in these little moments would have led to more. And I do think that we were still very dominant and Bristol didn't really look likely to score at any point in this game. Um, they didn't really have the sort to break us, break us down and break through our defence to get there. As I will say that our defence was very good today, today on, Friday, on Friday. With that um, Rutel one, yeah I, yeah, I agree, probably can't see him. But that's where Rutel's just got to be screaming at the top of his lungs because that is a really big chance if, if Somerville just passes it sideways. Uh, I was screaming for him to do it while I was watching. Um, so that yeah, was frustrating, but go on. on. On a different angle of that one, um, I I agree. I think Rutte was the option. I'm just thinking maybe Somerville did know, but the way the defenders were, they were expecting that pass to Rutte, I think. Uh, if I remember rightly, there was a defender kind of right next to the defender directly in front of Somerville, and Rutte was obviously on that side, whereas no one was really tracking Kamara. And so he had the opportunity for a free shot because the defenders probably were expecting it to go to Rutter more than Kamara. Um, I wonder if that also played into Somerville's, if he knew that Rutter was there and he just thought this is where the free shot's going to happen. Because if Kamara's first touch is better, it is a really good opportunity. It's just that Kamara's running... I I couldn't believe that Kamara caught up with play because he was actually further back than Rutter as well, I'm sure. Um, And... Yeah, he, he catches up and obviously that first touch, he's still at full speed and it's just a bit too heavy. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the opportunity for that one to be a really good chance and one which Kamara, I think, should be able to put away. Some, seeing some of like finishes that he did for Rangers in the Europa League when they got to the final. Um, yeah, I, I think that it, it was it was reasonable that to expect that Kamara could potentially still 
put that away, no issues. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, although he, I seem to remember him getting in at a similar angle away at Rotherham and messing that one up as well. So that's that's what I had in my head. <laughs> um, it's not really. No, I don't strong think I, don't point, think I ever it? watched. I don't think I watched the Rotherham game at all. Oh, so. well, there you go. Um, and yeah, just just on this, then I guess um, the whole transcreation stuff. I think well, you both talk, touched on it already, but um, Bristol City didn't have that many themselves. I think the only two that I could remember now and I have done a watch back but I can't remember fully is the the one that Naki Wells almost got in on and then Ampadu made a block and then Mesway made a really good save towards the end of the game as well didn't he? he that was the only one he really had to do um but in general what we're seeing is Leeds be really solid and keep the score down uh chances down the opposition um lots of clean sheets this season lots of clean sheets especially in 2024 so far um but Martin I just wanted to ask you quickly uh, how much of an issue is is us not killing games off for you um this is a few games now where it's been well, one or two goals are scored only, and that's is that a problem for you? Talk to me a bit more about XG, please. So, for me personally, it's not as much of an issue um, because we have been very good at limiting the opponent to not very many chances. And yeah, this game could have been different if um, Melier hadn't have made that save, which was a very good save, um, I must say. And it somehow managed to get his foot onto it. He was going through his legs, and this is his, his back foot part. It was just fantastic. Um, but yeah. It's not really a massive issue for me. Um, just looking at the numbers behind the recent form that we've had. Uh, I know around Christmas time, we did a bit of a thing about the Royal Mixture numbers and uh, how they looked then, and there was a big downturn in us creating chances from open play. And that has recently sort of corrected itself. And the gap between our, our XG and uh, opponent's XG is probably the biggest it's been of the season. So we're, we are in really good form at the moment. And so that's why it, it doesn't worry me as much. However, just to find out that it's a very friendly fixture list that we've had recently. Um, so a lot of teams who we should be expecting to win against probably the toughest one, um, for me anyway, was Norwich. And we got through that game really, really well. I think it's a much different game to the previous game in the season. I think just in general, we're doing a very good job at limiting opponents and not creating much. If you look at the amount of chances that Norwich created in the first game compared to this one, it's night and day. I realise it's different fixture and one's at home, one's away, but still. Uh, we did a very good job um, in the, changing the dynamic in that game. And that does, for me, board well for the uh, last part of the season and the running, so to speak. Uh, I have to say, I, I didn't actually agree with the question I was asking. I just wanted to ask it. Uh, I don't think it's going to come back to bite us. I think, like you just said, we are just limiting the opposition really well. Hossi, anything to add or can I move on? Um, I wanted to look at some numbers before this, but I didn't have I didn't have chance. Um, I don't think we've lost many points from leading positions so you know I don't think it's cost us I think the only one I can think of is the Coventry one all Rotherham oh, as well that's it Rotherham as well yeah it. so yeah. you know we've lost we've lost four points from winning positions so it's, it's not really if we would if maybe it happened four or five times you know we're talking 10 points then yeah you know maybe it would come back to bite us if we were in the same position and lost 10 points back through that um but yeah I don't think it's gonna you know Jose Mourinho made a whole Chelsea winning team title winning team off 1-0 so yeah it's fine it might be worth at some point I'm not promising it but looking into game state and XG and how that's affected uh, for us this season in both winning drawing and losing game states obviously in losing ones we're probably quite good because we've tended to come back fairly well in a lot of the games especially at home when we've gone behind um, so yeah anyway I shall move on um, it is time for me to do our little patreon ad break so any of our patrons you don't have to listen to this bit but everyone else you shall hear it now and if i didn't do it tom alderson would probably kill us all even though he's not here right now um 
Anyway, yes, our patrons get access for as little as one ninety nine per month, which gives you ad-free podcasts, and if you want to pay a little more, you get other benefits, including early access to our preview pods, uh, analysis articles, videos, and other bonus podcasts. We actually did something recently that was really fun, uh, us three and Toldo, yeah, it was Tolson, um, didn't we, guys? Do you want to talk about that quickly, um, either of you? Really fun. Uh, yeah, we did a we did a draft. Uh, so all of us could only pick one player from Leeds United's history, and we built uh, our perfect five-a-side team, and we got two subs and a manager as well. And yeah, there's some really fun teams. It's a good laugh. Uh, one of our less serious ones, but definitely one which was still had thoughts in regarding the tactics of five-a-side. Yeah, it was it was really fun, wasn't it, Martin? Yeah, it was. I really enjoyed doing it, um, even if my team was... Um... Not the greatest. No spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> we might put out some teasers, but no spoilers. <laughs> yeah, there'll be, there'll be some more coming up on socials soon about this. Um, Caldo was, was was meant to do it on Friday, but forgot. <laughs> and then the Leeds game was on, so we weren't going to do it. So yeah, um, but yeah, we're also working on a few other bits and pieces, uh, as I mentioned. So there's an article about our new signing, Connor Roberts, which will be coming out soon. Uh, I think that Martin will release that sometime this week. Yeah. Yes, it should be, um, hoping midweek, so about Wednesday, Thursday time, uh, maybe a little bit later if things in life are ahead of me. But yeah, it should Lovely. be coming this week for definite. Good. Um, but if you want to find out more, please do visit our Patreon at Tom. Patreon.com forward slash ASAW Patreon. He got in there before you. <laughs> you left, you left way too long of a pause and didn't say a name there. I just wanted to. That's why I jumped in. <laughs> build suspense, but it doesn't matter. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. But yeah, now let's get back into the analysis and talk about players a little bit more. And that includes a bit more a bit less about tactics so yes um we had a question from david burton via the fabled the square ball walking group chat which obviously is one of our rival podcasts but it's absolutely fine um, i'll accept that you're in there hosty um and i'll come to you first which is uh since ruter has moved to the number 10 position he has looked a lot better but his assist output has actually gone down is there any reason for this in your opinion um we this this question sparked a really good chat in the admin uh chat didn't it um really good discussion John got involved yeah um so well well done david with with this question um yeah i think the initial sort of reaction to it was is it just you know he's he's not in certain positions is is it a bit unlucky and you know he's not got an assist since coventry uh but we looked into the numbers and we really we really delved in and he's just doing a lot more different stuff. You know, he's he's picked up on carries, he's picked up on progressive passes and doing a lot more passing as a whole. 
Um, but obviously that's from a different area, which is probably why he looks uh, to everyone. He's kind of looking so much better because uh, he's just involved a bit more. Um, he's expected assist numbers are lit, according to FB ref are bang on 9.0 and he has nine assists. So he is par for the course. And as I said, he's not had an assist since Coventry, which was what, eight games ago, nine games. So that's obviously dried up a bit. And in that time he's put 1.2 expected assists. So there's been a simple regression to the mean. Um, and obviously within that 1.2, we've, we've probably been a bit poor on our finishing at times. I think, you know, we've said we were a bit wasteful in this game. We were a bit wasteful in, uh, I don't think it was the Norwich game. It might have been the Preston game where we were also wasteful that we've said previously. And so that's obviously going to affect his assist numbers is simply just the finishing of the, of other players around him. And Dan brought up something saying, has he made a few more tackles? And so when we looked into the numbers of that, um, over the past six games, he's made 70, he's attempted 17 tackles. Uh, for the whole season, he's attempted 36. So nearly 50% of his tackles have come in the last six games. So he's a lot more involved and that could obviously affect him later on in the game where he may have been a bit more effective as well. Uh, so I think the short answer is that it's just because he's regressed to the mean. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good it was good fun to have that big discussion. Martin, yeah, I'd agree with a lot of what Jim said there, and the, I really enjoyed digging into it more. I did a full rolling ch- chart for all the different metrics, and me being a massive massive nerd, I love that sort of stuff, especially when it's when, when it's on my boy <laughs> Georgie. Uh, so yeah, that was a special treat for me on a Sunday. I I, 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 lo- I love being part of this pod, um, but yeah. The, the thing which stood out most to me was the fact that he's progressing the ball a lot more. Um, that's the biggest one which took a big, the biggest rise um, since, since before. So, so some of the stats were down a little bit before he moved to 10. So especially his, his expected assist numbers um, had took us a little bit of a downturn. Not massively, but they, they started to downturn before. I think it was about eight, nine games ago. And what he's been at uh, 10, about five, six games now, is it? About that. Mm-hmm. So, I th- yeah. so I think... I th- I think other teams are starting to pay more attention to Georgie uh, than what they were early in the season. So he had a towards the start of the season, his expected systems were very very high, and that they slowly started to m- make the way further down when teams were starting to double up more on him and change the way they approached to dealing with him. It wasn't always successful, but it did mean that he had less opportunities to do stuff that he does. But now, since he's moved, moved to ten, he can get more involved with play, and he's taking more touches, making more passes. It's just that's that's why he looks better, but his assist numbers might be the same. But he'll start, so, soon start chipping in soon when play, the players around him are finishing off the chances that he gives them, basically. Yeah, and I think the progressive passes thing is quite interesting, to be honest. I think that could also mean he's getting kind of a pass before uh, a really key pass into the box or whatever. Maybe his his box entries aren't as much. I don't actually know, but uh, maybe that's true and He's actually kind of drawing players into him and playing passes for well, if you, our other if you think, team. Go on. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, Adam. I think of the pass that he played to Firpo um, when Firpo got one of his assists recently. I forget which game it was, um, but he played a lovely ball into the box and then Firpo crossed it in and then it was tapped in. I'm not, remember which game it was? Was it Cardiff or was it Preston with Dan James? Okay. Yeah. It, one yeah, it two, yeah. Cardiff. Yeah, I think it was Cardiff. Yeah, because Preston yeah, so was those sort of the, things. the header. The Dan James header, which yeah, was yeah, just yeah. the Somerville kind of overhit pass, which Firpo did really well to get it in from the byline. 
But it just means that Ruta is probably getting more involved in moments like that. Drawing players in, playing a pass out, and then Somerville, Furpo, James, they've got opportunity to cross the ball in um, and get get balls into the box. So I think that's part of it as well. And that's not a bad thing. That can be something that we, he does. Um, I am intrigued to see where Ruta is used going uh, you know, into next season. Let's say if we do go up, touch wood. Um, it might be that he actually has a new role. Um, I think some of us are possibly expecting him to go out wide and that might change things again because uh, he can isolate himself against someone whereas it is a little bit more congested in the middle. Um, so that's part of it as well. Um, but yeah, looking at creativity, I guess, in a wider sense, um, Martin, around Christmas we had uh, documented issues with our creativity in open play. Do you think these issues have been resolved recently? Well, like I mentioned in one of the previous questions, the fixtures recently have been quite friendly to us and the opponents haven't really done too much to stop us. Um, so I, I can't really say if it's been solved yet, um, but our numbers definitely have taken an upturn. Um, and I did the best rolling XG chart, which we'll put out um, after this pod comes out, of what our, our numbers look like now. It's definitely taken a pretty sharp rise since that Christmas period. Especially in the last five, six games, there's been a pretty sharp rise in our expected goals from open play. So it does seem like the problem solved, but until we get some stronger opponents, there's not too many of those left for us to play. Um, we've got who we've got left to play. We've got Leicester left to play. Southampton left to play, but that's been final day of the season. Hull, um, Hull, that'll be a tough one. Middlesbrough, yeah, so Sunderland, couple. There yeah. we go. Yeah. So yeah. So so there's still a fair amount of teams who will who aren't good for us and a good chunk which should be good for us so it's hard to say, say whether it's been totally solved yet but i will say that the introduction of bamford playing as a nine yeah definitely helping a, a lot <laughs> <laughs> nipped in there before someone else was going to say it um but yeah the change to having bamford in the team has definitely helped and um, because it's just what he does he makes teams better even when he's not scoring it's just the whole team around him is better uh, we've seen this for years now even when he wasn't scoring in that run in the championship and then Eddie and Ketia got brought in, and then the team wasn't looking as good because they didn't have a Bamford profile in the side to create the space and do the things that he does so well. So yeah, yes, that's... hard to argue with that, isn't it? It's hard to argue no, exactly. that he doesn't make a stronger out possession and gives a stronger base and platform to build from. And and I think yeah, I think that the the joint reason there, like you've mentioned, is basically it. Like the opposition's been weaker and Bamford's come in which has made us stronger so it had that, that joint effect and it will be interesting to see what happens I guess going forward anything to add here Hosty? Yeah I um, I read this question uh, wrong before the show before we started recording Shock. I, I, re- I, I read I read this as looking at creativity in wider areas um, which kind of brings it looking yeah, at the other it. yeah looking at the other question as well the Ruter one that we just answered um, Ruter's move from uh, part of the discussion that we had in the group chat was we looked at the heat maps of him at 10 and him at 9. And obviously him moving to 10 hasn't just coincided with Bamford coming in uh, and playing at 9. It's coincided with Thurpo's return at left back. And, you know, we touched on his assist, a couple of assists that he's got recently. Um, and yeah, he, he did a lot of work when he was at 9 He where he'd drift out to the left. And I think he was part of a lot of creativity from the left-hand side. And that's where he was getting his assist for Somerville. As Somerville like went from left to in, inside and then rotate, rotate out. Whereas now, because he's at 10 and Furpo's overlapping and Somerville's coming inside, we're seeing Furpo getting those assists. Um, so yeah, that, that was... And obviously on the other side, we've just got Dan James like bombing down and hitting it across uh, when he's playing. 
So, yeah, for me, sort of like our chance creation in open play has changed a little with Rotaire moving to 10, but it's not been because of Rotaire at 10. It's actually probably been because of the Furpo introduction. Yeah, and I think that we saw a lot of um, Somerville and Rotaire. We still do a little bit, but maybe a little bit less now. But yeah, a lot of them two combining. Uh, but now we've actually got another player that, that, like you just mentioned, is added into that when Furpo's bombing up the left and he's able to combine with both of them as well. So there's, um, there's a few little combinations, uh, I think, I guess, growing around the pitch. Um, but yes, we also had a question from John Midgley on Twitter. Um, he asked, assuming Ampadu makes it to the Premier League, uh, hopefully with us, of course, what would his best position be at that level? Hostie, I'll start with you. Uh, defensive midfield. <laughs> it's simple as that. Like, he, I think, We've, we've kind of forgotten because he's been playing at centre-back and I think as well, like, the opposition that we've been playing against has made it look like we've been really, really good defensively with him at centre-back. I think, like, we've just been really lucky that... um And I'll touch on it a bit more in the next one as well, but we've just been really lucky that we've not had too much of a downturn in ability level, in that level of where those positions are when we've had to rotate and move players about. But I think, for me, I'm I'm... I'm putting Ampadu back in the defensive midfield role. Um, there was a time in the game against Bristol City where he just lunged in a little bit and that could have been a roundabout where the one-on-one came that Melier made the save on. Um, but yeah, he lunged in a bit where if he'd done that in defensive midfield, he'd have had the centre-backs behind him. Um, so, you know, and we got away with it because Melier. But yeah, I think for me, I'd, I'd put him back in defensive midfield. And Martin, um, obviously Ampadu has been really good at centre-back, hasn't he? But as Hossie alludes to, the opposition's been a bit weaker. Um, and I think people maybe forget that a little bit. So for you, does Strout walk straight back into the team when he's back? Or do you think that Ampadu's probably going to consistently play at centre-back for a little bit longer now? I think there'll be a little bit of a gap between Strout coming back in, um, just mainly because we don't want to get him injured again. Um, but it's not going to be because... Ampadu is so much better than him at centre-back and he's the reason why we're not conceding chances um, because I've looked at the XG numbers today and they've not changed. Um, we've been conceding a similar amount of XG before when Strat got injured. There's not really been any change. It's not like the XG against us suddenly went down massively when Ampadu went in over Strauch. Uh, it's, it's the same pretty level. No one can see my hand movements that I'm making here. I'm making a level line with my hand. I don't know why. Um, but yes, so yeah, I I think that Strauch will get back into the side when he is ready to play full games again. He's been he, he will be out for a good two, three, maybe even three months by the time he gets back. I hope not three months. I hope it's more two months and three. Um, but it is possible. So uh, I think there will be a little bit of a gap between when he is ready to play and when he's starting regularly. Yeah, I guess it gives us some breathing room, doesn't it? With him, we don't have to rush him back. But also, yeah. you you don't you don't change a winning team either, do you? Right? So no, Strout shouldn't come back in. <laughs> there, there is there is that, and Farker doesn't change his team anyway, unless he has to. Um, but yeah, touch wood, no more injuries um, that we get in certain places. But it's just nice to be in a position where we've got the players who can, which means that we don't have to rush an injured player back. Because you know we, we've we've done it with Bamford, uh, we've, we've done it with Cooper Click. before, done it with Click Dallas. Well. Yeah, Click. we're currently Click. doing it with Dallas, Dallas right? <laughs> nah, if, he ever, if he ever gets back, um, he'll be straight back in. He'll be straight back in when fit will Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> straight back in the midfield in his best position. So yeah, you know, I just think it's nice that we're in a position where right now performance and the way that it's 
it's going, you know, the fact that we've got, if we didn't have Groif, who we've not really talked about much, um, but if we didn't have him, we'd probably be like, Strauch's coming straight back in because we need Ampadu back in midfield. So I think the fact that we do have him is actually the bigger godsend regarding Strout getting back in the team. Um, I don't think it's down to Ampadu's performances at centre-back. I think it's down to Groif's performances in defensive midfield. Yeah, that's made me feel a lot better as well, for sure. And just to be clear, I'm joking when I say you don't change a winning team. You're absolutely allowed to do that if a key player comes back. I'm sure if Jan- Dan James is fit for the next game, um, despite Nonto scoring, he'd probably come straight back in, for example. So I do think if Strout, if we're 100% on him, uh, or even 98% on him, then we might put him back in. But yeah, uh, and I do think that Farker loves him. I know we're not inside his head, but I think he absolutely loves Pascal Strout. And um, I think he's trying to grow him into a more of a leadership role as well by giving him the armband and things like that. But then Ampadu's been a captain as well, so he's done a pretty good role, uh, a good job in that role as well. Um, yes, I wanted to talk about... Um, our goalkeeper actually a little bit. I know we've talked about his his save, the one big one that he had to make in the game, and that was good. But there was also a bit of a sort of fresh discussion regarding him again and his punching, um, which has been a bit of a gripe of some of the fans this season. Um, can one of you explain to me a little bit more about his role and what is being asked of him um, and what punching comes into in terms of that as well? I'll start with you, Martin. So regarding specifically the punching, there's a clearly tactical reason why he's looking to punch rather than claim the ball. Um, which is it gets us to be able to counter-attack quickly. That's the reason why goalkeepers started to do it in the first place, is to try to get the ball quicker forward. And it generally has worked, and he's generally quite good at it as well. So I'm, I'm not really sure what people are bothered out of than being dars and complaining when a goalkeeper does something that they don't think a goalkeeper should do. Um, so yeah, I'm perfectly fine with him punching the ball, and it generally does work. Um, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I don't believe it's led to a goal this season, unless anyone can correct me on that. No, it hasn't. No. It, it, it's, led, no. it's led to Crucentio Somerville's chance against Bristol City. Um, exactly. Which came came from the punch, which was one which uh, there was some instant uh, why is he punching sort of talk that I saw on Twitter and stuff. Um, but yeah, like, like mine says, it's tactical. And I think maybe we've got, maybe fans have some PTSD from when there was a time where he didn't punch and he'd kind of like do a flat palm. And I felt like at the time that was uh, something which he'd been instructed to do or as well for some reason, but he kind of used to try and palm it away. And that's when we did concede a couple of goals. I think Um, I feel like they were in the premier league. Was it Marcus Abad who told him to flap? Uh, I, (laughs) I don't know. You know, Marcus Abad's clearly doing some decent stuff at West Brom as well. I think their goalkeeper's doing perfectly fine. He's um, the other with the most clean sheets and Melia. I think it's them two, by the way. Yeah, Marcus. Um, are, Marcus are good. Yeah, Marcus <laughs> are good. <laughs> um, right, where was I? Yeah, so I think that like the punching is it's something which I think whichever goalkeeper you have that punches for like the past twenty years has kind of had some. Why is he not catching that sort of thing? Um, I think for me, when it comes to punching, it depend. I'm much more of you've got to get it right with shots. Um, if you don't get it right with shots, then you're like parrying it straight into. You could easily parry it into um into the path of another attacker if you don't get that right. And but that's also why they punch it because they say that if you go to catch it when you're trying to save a shot, then you know you you risk taking this power out fumbling it and it being dropped at the feet of a of an attacker and that's something which you get taught at like 10 
10 or 11. You know, if you're going to punch it, you make sure you get behind it. Um, and if you're going to catch it, you've got to make sure that you catch it because uh, parrying and punching is much more safer, even though it doesn't seem it because they look more calamitous when they go wrong. But or you, you might think they've got more chance of going wrong. But if you catch one or don't catch it or go to catch it and then fumble it that way, that's even worse. It's so much you're in your worse. box. Yeah. 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 It's so much more worse. Yeah. I mean, I remember as a kid, I once, this was at under nines and I thought something was a pass back and I went to catch it. And then I just like moved my hands out of the way and the striker just took it off my feet and put it behind back at net. And I was just like, um, you know, that was because I chose to catch it instead of punch it. And then because I chose to catch it and thought it was a pass back, I didn't do anything. But that's just idiotic eight-year-old me, sir. True. Now you're idiotic 30-year-old you. No, you're correct. I agree with everything you've said, to be honest. Uh, the only thing I wanted to add really about this is that um, I think some fans have a little bit of PTSD again about just Melier in general in terms of commanding his box. I think for someone of his size, he's never been that good at it. Even when instructed to catch, he's not been the best at it. He's generally speaking not not sort of commanded his box well at all in terms of coming out and claiming um, and stuff like that. So I think some people um, are a little bit sort of worried about that from the Premier League days and that's maybe another reason why he's been asked to punch it because it's not a strong area of his game so if he's punching it, it, it A, gives us the chance to counter and B, it stops him from maybe making a mistake as you've mentioned um, with catching. So that's really good as well. But yeah, Martin, I, I did want to ask a little bit more about Melier, um about his, his all-round sort of displays for us because Obviously, I think he's let in a couple this season, which people have been frustrated by, but his role in general has been a lot more than just as a goalkeeper, as we've talked about his punching there. But can you also talk to me a little bit more about his sort of baiting of the press and, and how that works as well? Because a few people still moan about that. Yeah, there's, there's something which uh, Leeds fans will definitely always complain about when really it slows, slows the play down. Um, but there's a, a definitive tactical reason for doing that. It's to try to get the opposition to press forward and to try to open space behind them so... We can attack it. It's something that um, teams in the Premier League do all the time, and people say, "Oh, Melier, it's not a Premier League level keeper. Why is he doing it?" Um, but it's because of what he's been told to do. <laughs> he's doing what Farker wants him to do, and that is to take that little bit of extra time to try to draw the, the opponents out and onto him. And he's very good at doing it as well. He's very assured with doing it. He his distribution has been very good, especially from short distance, longer passes. He still has some work to do on those. But I think his short distribution has been fantastic this season and his way he does put his foot on the ball and try to tempt teams onto him only does work. And Some games that teams don't fall for it. I don't think Bristol really did do much in this game. There were a couple of moments, but mostly they did hold their shape and wait until after the ball was passed out to then start pressing. But there is definitely a defensive reason for doing it. And I know I'm not, we're not going to be able to convince anyone who, who complains about it to not complain about it. Because... No, and this is the problem, isn't it? <laughs> There's some people that are going to complain for the sake of it, and like at times yeah. he's going to punch because it's going to speed the play up, and other times he's going to hold on to the ball, wait to bait the press, and slow the game down. So, yeah, um, you can't really win either way. Sometimes he's doing uh, uh, you know things at fast pace, and other times not so much. So yeah, that's just him. And I'll, uh, also, I think, a also, that's on. I think we kind of preach into the choir here. I think probably most of our audience is probably quite happy with this kind of approach from a goalkeeper and it's probably the people who don't who don't listen to our pod who would benefit from it more and they're they're not interested in our sort of analysis that's fine it's not for everyone not everyone is geeks like us so it's totally fine but yeah 
but to, to say that. Yeah, that's fine. I think there's a, a wider discussion with Melier, but I don't want to have it today. I think that's another time. Um, just about sort of his development and what's happened with him. Um, yeah, in general, since he's been at Leeds, but not today. That's maybe even a, bit, a bonus podcast one day. Anyway, yeah, let's talk about um, some happier stuff. Um, Willie Nonso, guys. I, I don't know about you, I couldn't have been more pleased for a goal scorer. Maybe you'd decide Rotter or something, uh, Martin, but for me, I was just delighted and he looked so relieved and so overjoyed. Like he lost himself a little bit in the moment with the, all the emotion. Um, I just want to talk about him a little bit and, and more generally in this game. So can one of you go first, please? I don't have a proper question. Just talk to me about William Onto. Well, I'll go first. Uh, I thought he was very, very good in this game. Even before he scored, um, he did just re- look really up for this game. And sharp. in the first, yeah, he looked sharp and he, he's, his link up with, um, Gray on the right side was really good. There's a lovely ball which he played, I think about 35, 40 minutes in, just sort of chipped it over. Uh, Gray was inverted at the time and he was wide, was Nonto and this lovely little chip, chip ball through to Gray going through. Gray ended up losing the ball, um, but the pass itself and Nonto was lovely. Um, and more of it didn't come of it, more didn't come of it, sorry. Um, but yeah, that, he was very good in this game and the ball capped it off. Uh, it was a fantastic finish as well. Um, I think the keeper was definitely expecting it to go to his near post and he just hit it central and caught the keeper out, I think. And yeah, he took it really quickly, didn't he? Yeah, and it was the way he also latched onto the ball as well because I don't think he was expecting that ball, ball to come to him. And just on that, um, Bamford did dummy it. He, he, he didn't touch it, he dummed it. That was intentional from Paddy. I've watched it back about three or four times just to make sure. Uh, so yeah. Um, but yeah, he did really well in that moment. Just to get onto the ball to start with, he showed a really good burst of acceleration to get onto it because there's other players, um, Bristol players who could have got to it first and he, did, he didn't let that happen. He, he saw a real desire in him wanting to get to that ball and he got to it. And not just in possession, out of possession, he was good as well. He was putting in, in a lot of work, coming back deep to defend quite often. He put in a good, a good few blocks to crosses on, down that side when Gray was either out of position or looking at someone else. So yeah, I just, I just felt he had a really good game and I have not a thing to complain about. Hosty, how much do you love William Hunter? Um Yeah, generally speaking as well about him. Um, like you asked, he's uh, he was born on the 5th of November 2003. Um, he's an Italian international. and <laughs> uh, his, his full name is Dengyang Wilfred Nyonta. Uh, he goes by the name Willie. Um, but no, on a, on a serious note, he, <laughs> he, he, after the goal as well, like his, his level went up and, you know, there was, there was a moment in, in that second half where he used his body really well, won a free kick. And I just kind of like, I, I messaged him to the admin chat and just said, Oh, look, that goes and onto a whole, a heap of goods. And I think Dan said, yeah, I was literally about to say the exact same thing. And, yeah, I don't think we'd seen a lot of the tracking back stuff from him before, and he did that one really good block at one point, um, which was, I, I I don't remember him ever doing that previously. And he just seemed, yeah, the goal just seemed to un, like unshackle him. Um, and obviously, like you said, he the way he took it, it was it was fantastic to see his emotion at the end of the game as well. You know, and being paraded around by Rutter and Somerville, um, where it was lovely to see how happy the whole squad were. He's he's clearly had um, a bit of a a bit of a tough time this season um, with what happened at the start of the season. Like, like we said, I think, was it last week on one of the re- reviews um, when we brought up the fact that there was talk of him signing a new contract? I think I said, like, you know, it, it felt very much at the time that it was misled agent um, behaviour. And I think that's kind of come across that he probably, like, really regrets that now. Um, 
and he's probably thought it's affected his season and yeah, so he looked like he really needed it. Um and yeah, I was I was delighted for him and like you said, the way that he latched onto that ball at, at pace and then just hit it quickly. Um was lovely to see. Yeah. Yeah. And it I was, was his delighted. only shot. It was his only shot of the game. So Good on him. Well like, like you say, like he just doesn't give the keeper time to set or think really, because he does it in such a swift motion. Um really good to see. And and like that just gave him a lift, like you both said, that that confidence booster. Some players need it. Um, and there were a lot of people moaning before the game that he was in the lineup, so it was really just good for him to shut a few people up. I do think most Leeds fans are, are backing him fully now. I think most people have kind of forgotten what happened in the summer or they've excused it because all the stuff has come out about agents and whatnot. So it's good to see that people are getting behind him and, and he's scoring goals. But yeah, just a wider point on him. I think there's quite a few players that this is true of in football in general, but just some players are so much better from the start rather than coming on as, on as a sub. Some players the opposite. Jermaine Defoe was a great it. sub. Uh, Victor Anichibi was a great sub. Like there were some, <laughs> some Premier League players that were really good for that, but like he's so much better when he has sort of a chance to build a bit of momentum. And obviously he started against Plymouth in the cup and then he started this game and look, he actually played really well in this one, even though he's a little bit iffy in the, the FA Cup game with Plymouth. So really, really good. And I'm glad he scored and hopefully he does stay in the team for a little bit because I think Dan James start for another week or two, isn't he? So, yeah, good for him. Um, and I guess, yeah, one last question on this section. Just a quick follow-up on Nanto. He was pretty good in this game from the right, wasn't he? But in general, how do you guys feel about where he should be playing, uh, whether it's the left or the right? Should we move Somerville to the right or keep Nanto there? Or what should we do? Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Hosty. Yeah, I, I'd i rather see Somerville on the right and Nanto on the left because I think Somerville's still very, very good on the right. I think he's better than Nanto on the right. Um, and... I think Nonto's better on the left. Um, and that's obviously where he excelled last season in, in a high division in the Premier League. I, I found it really interesting that when Anthony came on, he didn't go to the right. Anthony came on to the left and Somerville went to the right. And So yeah, maybe it's Nonto wants to be on the right, weirdly. Um, but yeah, I think he's better coming off coming off the left. And so that, that's what I that's what I prefer to do. Um but I wonder again if it's a, you know, maybe Nyonto and Gray have a really good understanding that we just uh, that they see in training, and that's why. Yeah, it's possible. Um, I guess for me, it's about the amount of drop off between the pair in the respective roles, and I think there's less of a drop off with Somerville on the right than there is with Nanto. So I'd rather have them that way around. That's just me, Martin. What do you think is the most optimal setup with that pair, in your opinion? I'd agree with Hosty. I think I would probably prefer. Nonto to be on the left and Somerville on the right. Um, to be fair, and Somerville's breakthrough in the in the twenty ones came when he was mainly playing on the, off the right, and that's where he first started to catch out. I have everyone. Uh, he can beat a player both going inside and outside, and I think he's more capable of doing the role on the right than what Nonto is. Even though he did play very well in this game on the right, so I would be happy with that. But I think it is probably most likely to be Nanto on the right with Somerville on the left. Um, I thought also, quick note, that this goal was with his left foot, which is, is his weaker foot, which is really impressive. <laughs> that was a very well hit, hit goal for a, a weak foot shot. Um, not for, not something we, we don't really see as Nanto as being a really two-footed player, but maybe he is. Um, but yeah, I, I th- I'd be happy with no, whichever position Nanto starts in, but probably would prefer it off the right, foot off the left, sorry. I didn't mind him off the left last season in the Premier League when he'd get to the byline and use his left foot, to be honest. I thought it was all right with it. I wouldn't say it was like particularly weak or maybe not particularly strong either, but it was it was fine. So I, I'm okay with that. Um, anything to add, Hostia, or can I bring us to a close? No, you bring it to a close. Gorgeous. Well, just a quick Same reminder that 
The <laughs> just a quick reminder: the website for our patron is Hosty. Uh, patreon.com forward slash ASAW Patreon. But now that's everything for tonight. Uh, we won't be previewing or reviewing the FA Cup replay game against um, Plymouth because, Hosty? Um, cup football isn't real football unless we get to the final. Yeah, well, maybe not even that. Might do it at the semi final stage. But yep, yeah, we're not covering it at the moment as Darren Driver would probably be really annoyed at us if we did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, otherwise, we will be back later this week where we'll be dropping a preview pod ahead of our return to Ellen Road with Saturday's league game against bottom of the league Rotherham. I'll just remind everyone that we are unbeaten at home at Ellen Road. So it's just going to be a classic, isn't it? It's just going to be that one of those. Announce 1 0 Rotherham. 1 0 yeah. Rotherham. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Um, but for now, I'll say thank you to Martin. Thank you to Adam. And thank you to Hosty. Obrigado. And thank you to all our dear listeners. Have a great week and enjoy the Plymouth game. Goodbye.